0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Dirt Bad Dugout podcast. Episode 22, officially have a World Series winner. If you've been hiding under a rock, the Houston Astros beat the Phillies in six games. Nate, you called it. Uh, what an electric World Series. Otherwise, I know myself, I'm disappointed a little bit that the Phillies kind of let that slip from them. Um... But I guess we could just do a recap then since we covered games one through four. How about a, a recap of five through six? So five and
1: six, we, game five is defined finally by defense. So when we talked about the first four games, it was you know the bullpen and the bats. Now we get this other element of the ball game in play. We get a uh, center field Chaz McCormick Robbing a tying this, it would have been a home run of the ages. Mm-hmm. So that robbery, turning the corner, cementing Houston's momentum going home, that's it was huge. It was massive.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just sucked the wind out of the sails of the, especially that Phillies offense. I mean, if you just shut it down and and snuff out that fire, not saying that it would be hard for them to rekindle it, but I mean, at the same time, yeah, that's kind of hard to bounce back from. Like you're putting your all into every single at-bat, every single game, and just to basically have that snatch from you quite literally, you know, with a glove snatch, man, that's hard. I mean, even for a split second, that's kind of hard for you to, you know, regather yourself and okay we'll you know get right back into it especially at that point not only in the series but in that specific inning like oh there are only so many chances that you that you get in you know each particular game so hats off to Houston definitely defense-minded I would say more so like you said their bullpen shoving I believe uh their world series uh How do I want to say their campaign, for lack of a better word, uh, brought forth a new record in strikeouts, all-time record with seventy-one. Previous record was seventy by the twenty twenty Rays and two thousand one Diamondbacks. So, I mean, however you want to look at them. Say again. So a share. So Houston outright owns
1: it in seventy-one, but that record Mm -hmm. was shared previously in seventy. Yes. Okay. For them to outright get that extra out, uh, in for that bullpen to produce seventy-one outs of the year uh, of of the campaign, mm-hmm. it's easy to go to work for that. You, you oh yeah, oh yeah. Insurance when your bullpen's putting that much up.
0: Yeah, it's like we were saying, you know, an episode an episode or two ago. You. You have that extra insurance. You know everybody behind you, whether that's the starter putting in the work, whether that's your relief or whether that's the save. At any point, you know either the dudes in front of you or the dudes behind you, you know, have put in that work. You know all together as a collective unit, you guys have made the key outs again, leaning right back on that Phillies offense. You know that you've snuffed out any potential route, any potential rally, anything anything that they could they could muster i mean obviously you took it to 6 could have easily gone to 7 but the fact that you're following that now championship with that many outs a historic amount of strikeouts my hats off again to that that bullpen um i know i had i had the actual era in front of me uh i might have ex- actually deleted that that screenshot but we'll probably get back to that you know, eventually anyway. But I know the main thing being that, again, it's really that bullpen that, that really set the tone for not only their offense, but for the rest of the defense, you know, the outfielders, you know, everybody that isn't on the mound. So, again, hats off to them. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, of course, we look at game six, Game six was close up until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So that moment is when Philadelphia pulls that pitcher Wheeler and the following is a home run. Yeah. and You even heard Wheeler come out and say, look, I'm furious I didn't get to throw. He's miffed. And he should be. Rightfully so. 100%. So... That's a great example of a manager tinkering, stinker tinkering. (laughs) He should have let Wheeler keep dishing, at least through the inning, or at least through the next batter.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's like we said uh, previous, you know, we're going to see the differences in styles and get a little too cute i know we kind of got on on dusty for for leaving in mcculler so it's kind of like the same deal you have there's a fine line between leaving your guy in and trying to let him clean up his mistakes too long as opposed to pulling your guy too early at the first sign of trouble i mean you have at the same time like where franchises and front offices have to trust their managers managers as well have to trust their guys have to trust the dudes that they put on that mound you know, to get the job done, and obviously, until they they prove otherwise, you need to you need to let that horse ride. I mean, so that def definitely is on on uh, Rob Thompson. Uh, I know, kind of a little side note: he not only was the acting or the interim manager, but was made the full the full on uh manager here on out for the next uh, at least for two years, I believe, receiving an extension. And I want to say that that was. Uh, in the beginning of October, so about a month deep. So just before the posts were basically leading into the postseason, they had a uh, uh, signed that extension with him. So a lot for th- him to. The third one for Philadelphia, right? Yeah, you know, you have a dude at the helm now. You don't have to worry about the if or, you know, the questions. This is your dude, you know, all out. You know that he has now has that experience and now you know fully knows what you guys are capable of uh going back to that post-firing point of Joe Girardi you know that he has the full helm now it's not just oh well what can I do with uh I don't want to say the scraps but like just that visual what can I do with the remnants of what he's done and implement into what I'm trying to build now he has the full full helm not only for this postseason experience but now for the next two years
1: are we going to see Philadelphia back in the World Series in the, under his tutelage?
0: I'll say no, but only because the National League is really stacked. Um, but I will say that they very much are playoff-worthy, uh, playoff-bound, however you want to look at that. Definitely can make the case. I mean, if you can – I don't even want to say with the, the uh, expansion of the playoffs just in general you know that they can at least reach that mark and once they're in obviously can hang with the big boys for so to speak you know all the 90 plus 100 plus 110 plus win you know they can make it obviously to the dance and a lot farther than than some of these other teams so very much worthy i don't know if world series necessarily um they might have to show me something in free agency though i might i might have to have maybe because I don't want to say bullpen necessarily, but if you get, like, a big name in that respect, like, that just helps supplement, then absolutely. But they're definitely a playoff-worthy team. I would say that.
1: That makes sense. Given the experience of being in the World Series, uh, just getting edged out by Houston, because that's really what happened. Uh, Houston made incredible plays very high iq baseball plays uh very clutch times and
0: Mm -hmm. this would help make the difference in this world series just a couple different edge plays you also gotta think i mean what if there's that no no that's huge i don't care if it's just in the general regular season series or if it's the playoffs or whatever i mean a, a no hitter is significant no matter what So you know, that could make that could have made the world of difference, especially considering kind of how we were saying before, Justin Verlander himself didn't make quite that great of an impression. So if you flip maybe one or two games, you know, you're thinking, oh, no, well, they just had it the entire time. Well, no, it took literally a no hitter and coupled with the fact that your ace or one of your aces, however you want to look at that, wasn't on his best game. It could have easily gone to seven, could have easily flipped the other way, and could have been Phillies in six. It, it, it could have. So the series, for as, for as well as
1: Houston won it, it was a good close series. Mm-hmm. Granted, this is a great close series. What I guess is disappointing is that this was reportedly the second least watched world series
0: really i i from the hype from at least at least watching it i felt like it was one one of those that was going to be up there i i was shocked to
1: see and you know just to read what espn reported in the fact that well it was probably less watched because it was pitted up against. A lot of good, you know, there was a a great college football slate that took viewership away. Uh, There were other sporting events going on.
0: I could see that. Could it also be a part of everybody's kind of tired of Houston being in the series? I mean, the last three of four, the last four, no, three, three of five, three of six, however many. Yep. You think 17, 19, 22. 21, 22. So four, four of the last six, four of the last five, however many. Yeah. I mean, that, that could play a part in it too, but I mean, shout out to the Houston Astros though. I mean, they very much are showing the world, the baseball world that they're going to stay relevant. I mean, uh, I know we forgot the the three names. It was, uh, it was Springer. It was Garrett Cole back when he was an Astro and um and obviously Correa, so the fact that you get rid of some really marquee names, you know, and obviously you're bringing in this fresh batch of new talent, Jordan Alvarez, uh, I believe Kyle Tucker, a lot of these dudes under 25 or under at least 27, not only not only that, but you think about the now World Series MVP, Jeremy Pena, first rookie since Livion Hernandez in 97, third overall, first rookie in Position player to win, so you know that they have young, uh, dynamite talent, and their overall roster isn't old. I mean, yeah, you look at Altuve, you look at Bregman, who've been there since you know forever and a day ago. But overall, they have some very young talent that's going to keep them relevant.
1: And I'm really glad you brought that up. Is that the youth of the roster is going to continue to frustrate the baseball universe? Because they're going to continue to be a CS and World Series. Like, they're just there. Until this talent pool leaves that Houston roster, they will consistently be a part of late October uh, baseball conversations. You no know, if ands, or Butts about it.
0: That's just something that, yeah, absolutely. It's going to take – basically to the end of this decade for us to really start seeing that that falling off and if obviously the front office is smart enough they're going to start stockpiling i mean obviously the draft they're not going to be that high up there you know there's only so much that their farm system is going to be able to do from here on out but that's kind of what i'm saying you're not really going to see that falling off until you know 25 and onward you're not really going to start seeing any kind of uh Inkling of that for at least another two or three years. And and most of these guys, again being under 25, that's at least another five years before if they manage to keep the band together or some semblance of that, you're not gonna see it for at least another half decade, at least as an as an overall.
1: What does it take to dethrone Houston early on in the playoffs?
0: You just have to. I mean, so if we look back, kind of how we were talking about the Mariners could have won game one, you got to close the door, you got to shock them early, it's basically shock and awe, like war tactics, you got to strike first, strike hard, element of surprise, you know, art of war type stuff, where basically the element of surprise, shock and awe, that's, that's all I can really come up with, you have to strike first and keep your foot on their neck. I mean, as we've seen multiple times throughout the postseason, um, giving them even an inch of breathing room allows them to come back, obviously, again, harkening back to game one, allowing them that chance to have ninth inning heroics and walk off fashion. And then leading, I mean, you kind of go back also to game three, where it took everything that they had and they still barely just, I mean, obviously they won game two as well, but like, the fact that it took all of that for them to beat the Mariners in three, you know, you're going to, I think people are just going to kind of gloss over that. But if you're any other American league team that has, you know, high hopes, like obviously the Orioles, Mariners, again, guardians, Rays, even the Yankees, depending on what whatever happens with Aaron judge. But if you're ev- any team that's going to be relevant in the near future, especially within this timeline of, of Houston's, dominance basically you're gonna want to look at that as okay even this you know for lack of a better word ho-hum team that everybody thought was just gonna get swept even though they did but if you look at the games they made it interesting if you take away from the actual games themselves again we need to strike fast hard we need to make sure we our bullpen stays on their neck and doesn't give them even i mean i'm not asking for a no hitter you know, from every single game, from every single pitcher, but basically that's what it seems like it would take, you know, you need to have, have that in, if you're going to be that giant killer, you know, as, as a irrelevant team, or if you're a comparable powerhouse team, okay, Hey, we know we can match them up to some point, but we need to make sure that our run support is on point. We need to make sure our bullpens on, on, on point as well. It's gonna be two, it's gonna be two sided. You count out slug them. I mean, you know they're they're bullpen. they're definitely they definitely have beefed up to where you would think they're bats. Jose Altuve was non-existent, one of your perennial players, non-existent, and it didn't fucking matter. That's such a good. I'm really I'm glad you brought that up
1: because Altuve being a ghost. At first. All right, so look, Altuve was a ghost ever since the fan incident. You know, where, like, the fan runs on the field for the selfie, like. Yeah. Hugged him and whatnot. So that clearly, like, messed with his psyche. He didn't like it. it, It's Something like that. But when he got out of his slump, he demonstrated his value to the organization. Or the explosiveness that he just brings to the lineup. Yeah, he was able to slap the ball around when he looked like himself, he made that lineup lethal it, in ways that they can do it without him, but when they do it with him,
0: it's even more. And that's what I'm saying. You basically are going to need both, both sides. I mean, even if you're going to be able to match, if one or two players, Bregman's having a bad game and somehow Altuve's having a bad game and somehow, you know, half of their lineup is having a bad game. You still need to have the bullpen to keep the door closed, not only to close it, but to keep it closed because they'll find a way to get their foot in that, you know, in that threshold. And, you know, if they, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile.
1: And that's a good point about this team being a resuscitator where if you didn't, if you if you didn't take if you took your foot off of their neck they got they got a second win and put yep. the table on you and that's a very I brought that up because that's something that has to be said about the entirety of their campaign it mm-hmm. it, it epitomizes their postseason and the fact that they had nine lives and if you let them live they made you pay for it
0: every single time Every single time, like I said, you look throughout I mean you get the little DVD you know that I'm sure is to come, and you put that you put that up and you play through and if you get an honest look, not just the you know the hype surrounding the run that I'm sure you know because it's an Astro's merchandise so they you know it's going to be, but if you look at an honest look at each game, you can see that word time and time again, you give them an inch and they capitalize and I mean that goes for any team, but more specifically, kind of getting back to the general question of what, what you were getting at, as far as the American League, as far as any team that's relevant right now or that hopes to make that next step, I'm looking at you, Baltimore. You're going to need to stay on them. Absolutely. Stay on them. Now, uh, as far as National League, I mean, it's still kind of up in the air. You still have the favorites, but... um. I'm trying to think of another team that might that might just come up as far as playoffs. I mean, I know it's obviously way too early. We still have to get through winter meetings. Uh, we still have to get through all that. But I mean, it kind of just seems like a mixed bag with the National League. I mean, if you're going to be that team that, I guess I could say, potentially could see them in the series. I mean that that bodes the same for you, or for anybody that you're gonna you're gonna see. Because if you think about it if you're facing either the Astros or a team that beats the Astros, they're going to be beating them because of that twofold, you know, that twofold campaign. So you need to be on that same trajectory as well, where both of your, you know, your lineup itself and your bullpen is on point. It's, you know, you can't, again, you're not going to be able to just Mickey Mouse five home runs together. I mean, like we keep saying, I mean, yeah, you got five home runs off McCullers, but. That was the only that was the only time after that bats were Swiss cheese and the bullpen took care of them. So it needs to be twofold, whether you're American league trying to take down the Astros or your National League trying to take down the Astros themselves in the series or whoever might beat them. It's basically fighting fire with fire, to I mean to put it simply.
1: That's probably the most efficient way to try and, you know, if you if you play if you draw Houston. In the postseason, you have to fight fire with fire. The only way a team is going to be successful against them. So, Dusty Baker finally gets his pendant ring. Too long overdue. uh, I mean, he's gone there with so many organizations.
0: Is it about time? I would think so. I think everybody's just kind of salty that he chose Houston, but at the same time, I mean, I, I would say long overdue, especially like you said, just being with so many different organizations, managing them well, building them up enough to that to that point, and just missing it. I mean, this is as much for the city as it is for him. I mean, this I know you you saw him taking taking this little little ripper off that ice luge like I was the, I was at least excited for him just to be able to celebrate even get a little inebriated you know and taste the sweet the sweet taste of victory I mean for him to reach the mountaintop I mean I'm I'm at least happy in that respect I mean he's he's de- gen- definitely generally just a good person in life and for baseball so to at least have that little nugget to hold on. It is bittersweet for Houston to take it. But at the same time, if anybody's gonna be managing or you know, having having been at the helm, it should be Dusty being able to take part.
1: You know, that, that's probably the best way to look at it, in that it's this is a good narrative for baseball. Uh you know, Dusty Baker, a storied franchise manager, he's taken ump team. Teams to the ship, he's just never been able to pull the trigger. And finally, uh, the Astros front office puts him in front of a talented enough organization that, you know, got him across the line. But he obviously played an integral role in putting those chess pieces
0: on the board and moving them accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that the 17 team was obviously a lot more stacked. But, again, it, it didn't need to rely fully on its bats. You had both the bats and the bullpen. So, again, like, we keep going back to that that two-sided thing. But it definitely takes him managing well and putting those people in in the best position in order to win that. So it definitely isn't just, oh, well, he they just plugged him in because they knew he was going to win. Well, obviously, we look back to last World Series. You didn't see the Braves smacking them up in six. And obviously, Dusty was behind that as well. So, you know, what, what is it? Either, either he's the pawn or he's actually running the board. And I think he's running the board. So I, I feel, especially the culture change, um, definitely... Uh, like, I'm trying to put the thought together about it. It's, he definitely shifted. I mean, obviously past the 2017 scandal and all that, you knew with him coming in, there was going to be some culture change. You know that there was going to be, it was going to be him being hands-on. It definitely wasn't going to be, like I said, him just being a pawn and we're just going to put this face that everybody likes because nobody's going to hate us. Not like, no, people still hated them. People are still salty, even with Dusty at the helm. So, you know, it definitely was him. Talk crap all you want. Definitely was him making the decisions and definitely him deserving deserving of this uh, World Series. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess as we look to 23, the free agency pool has gotten quite large as of today.
0: Uh, Anthony Rizzo joining Aaron Judge. With- yes, opting out. I saw that this morning, or no, I saw it yesterday. I saw it last night.
1: So... Uh, the, the names in the free agency pool they just get bigger Trey Turner, Xander,
0: Bogarts, Jacob mm-hmm. DeGrom, Carlos currently. Like, this... real quick the fact that DeGrom opted out too I, I did not see that coming yeah, that was another name I was really surprised about Carlos Rodon as well, opting out of the Giants going to be a big oh, arm goodness. oh, I'm glad you brought him up too
1: so this, because that just demonstrates what a packed free agency market baseball has right now. And a lot of talent that if it gets plugged into the right place is going to make some teams very, very happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's basically, I don't want to say a wish list, but in, in some sorts, like a lot of teams, are certainly going to be salivating at the mouth, knowing that all these different names are up for grabs now. Yeah, do do but, I go after a consistent guy like Trey Turner?
1: Or do I go after a defensive guy like Rizzo? Or do I need an Ace into DeGrom? Uh, like there's there's a little, there's so much flavor in this free agency market. There's a little bit of everything, and all of them are excellent talent. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that is exactly what I was going to say. A little something for everybody. You really can't go wrong. If you want to bolster your bullpen, there's plenty of great names. If you want to go for a consistent bat, consistent defense, like you said, plenty of that. Uh, I I definitely am going to be keeping my eyes on MLB Network, MLB, you know, both, both pages for at least the next several weeks, you know, basically through January, I mean, Uh, I know winter meetings themselves are uh, December 6th at San Diego Um, or I mean, during that weekend, but I know the the draft lottery specifically will be on the 6th. So I know there's going to be a lot of uh, negotiating. There's going to be a lot of just obviously the behind the scenes stuff, but in general, that's going to be, if we don't hear anything before that actual date, you know, within the next month, I think by then, roughly December itself the month of December would I mean there's a lot of potential for December to be to be the month of of craziness I mean you think February is pitcher catchers I believe or is it January usually
1: like the last week of January
0: first week of February is pitchers catchers so those yeah Yeah, they threw me off this year with the delay they they decided to make that towards the end yeah so, okay, so that's that's what I was saying. But if it's not within December by January, for sure we're going to hear a bunch of craziness because obviously you're going to have pitchers and catchers coming up. Obviously we're going to have the. Uh, I know I I received an email for uh, I think it was season, single single and like group group tickets for uh, for Camelback for spring training. So you know things are already starting to ramp up, even though obviously we were just in the middle of the postseason. But um, it's definitely at that point where teams are going to start being mind, mindful of 23 it's 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 going to be here before we know it november is almost halfway through as crazy as that sounds you know we have again the winter meetings coming up a lot of negotiating coming down the coming down the pipeline january will be here before we know it february like i said pitchers catchers spring training before you know it again april is going to be rearing its beautiful head around to give us 23 regular season baseball So. Uh, I am again keeping my eyes glued to both pages keeping my ears on the ground it is going to be I feel like this is going to be one of those winners where we're probably going to have to cover it over like two, two episodes I'm pretty sure with the names that are coming out with all of the deals that are going to get done it'll easily take two
1: episodes it's just I think so
0: oh my gosh it's to be too much. I mean, it you think sure about all right. the dudes who have uh, exercised, which I will say, I have to leave a side note. I know we were thinking that Wainwright was going to leave, but he actually signed another extension for a year. So one more year. Uh, I'm not sure the amount, but he, he definitely confirmed at least one more year. Uh, player option was also exercised for uh, Nolan Arenado as well. So five years 144 opting into it so in club control through the 27 season so maybe the redbirds make make that push next year i mean obviously not not having pool hosts. you know not that he was you know 2010 pool host but at the same time you know you're still going to miss that bat you're going to miss molina a little bit but overall the fact that you have those two perennial all-star uh, level players coming back. Could make a push. Uh, I know the Yankees' uh, club option was exercised for Luis Severino. So I mean, there's some some teams that have already made made their moves, even within the last week or two. Um, it's just it's really going to be an exciting. Oh, I'm sorry, I have one more. Uh, Edwin Diaz as well. Five year, 100 mil. Uh, who was that with? The Mets okay. with his extension. So, oh, he didn't. A nice. An extension. So, Mets also trying to stay relevant, you know, got, you know, their clothes are locked in. Um, but I don't think their spending's done either. I think they just had to make sure on the back end that their bullpen was obviously taken care of. But um, that kind of, I I forgot to mention that alongside with the, uh, the DeGrom thing. So, you know, that kind of got me thinking like, okay, well, did they try to throw the Brinks truck at Edwin Diaz knowing that DeGrom was going to, you know, that he wanted a certain amount or that he was planning to opt out. I mean, that's going to be a tough arm to replace. I think, I think
1: if you're the Mets organization, knowing that DeGrom wants the free agency, Gives you that leniency and the ability to secure that deal with
0: Diaz. I think so. It's just gonna, again, it's gonna be a tough arm to, to try and replace. I mean, no matter how you try to slice it, unless you get some, I mean, obviously the Grom is basically one of one. I mean, you're not going to just replace him, but you need something comparable especially talking about starting pitching, I mean, then if, if not in the starting uh, position, at least bolstering more of your relief, your middle relief, you know, knowing especially that you have locked in your closer, but you're you're not going to pull them out for three innings. You're, at best, you're going to do eight and nine. You still got to fill out seven through maybe five, maybe four, depending. I mean, you still got to fill out, at least three innings worth of of play, just to bolster whoever you're going to have coming in the starting position. That's going to be a, a tough a tough hole to fill. I mean, you, but but hey, they could they could figure out something else. They could just redo a whole new set. I mean, obviously, we don't have uh, the woolpawns at the helm, at the helm anymore. Obviously, uh, Steve Cohen has has not been shy at throwing money at any problem so i mean that could be something where maybe they're they're just trying to reconfigure something that's a little more player friendly i i don't know
1: it'll be interesting to see what shakes out of it that's for sure Mm -hmm. so as we wind down um best draft lottery odds who who lands where in the draft lottery what do you think
0: uh, well, it looks like it's a three-way tie from what I've seen. Looks like Washington, Oakland, and, and Pittsburgh have a 16.5% chance, so that would be my best bet. Uh, from what I'm seeing, it says Cincinnati with 13, Kansas City with 10, Detroit 7.5, uh, Texas 5.5, Colorado with 4,
1: Miami 3%. Really?
0: With a record. Even the Angels have a 2% chance. Of Diamondbacks wow. 1.5. Cubs with 1.1%, Minnesota's under a percent, Boston's under a percent, White Sox are almost at half a percent, the Giants are about half a percent, Baltimore uh, under half a percent, 0.4, and then the Brewers with uh, 0.2, so almost a quarter of a percent. So it basically looks like it's a three-way tie. Even if Cincinnati somehow uh, ekes it out with 13, I would say Washington, Oakland, Pittsburgh, uh, maybe Cincinnati maybe even the Royals with that 10% if you know however that works out but I would probably say oh man probably Washington just because I think they literally have the worst record I know Oakland was right there and obviously Pittsburgh that's where they're all at 16 but I think Washington takes another another uh, number one it'll probably be literally one two three and then maybe Cincinnati with the fourth or fifth, and then, you know, the rest of it's kind of a mixed bag. But I'm going to go out on a limb and definitely – well, not really a limb because, I mean, Nationals were kind of booty cheeks. <laughs> this oh, I mean, we were
1: the, the basement dwelling fuck shit to the league, man. Uh, it was a, a happy day when we won. Uh, it was really fun to play spoiler to a lot of yeah in the late season.
0: That's especially you- that No East man that NL East you're just like like we kept saying that last month of the year if you're not in it the best you can do okay well I'm for damn sure ain't winning I know for damn sure you ain't winning <laughs> they going make it that much harder and I know they can at least rest easy at night knowing hey we kind of screwed the Mets over in some respects against you know that that first place that buy and you know obviously they got They got put through the ringer going through wild card and all that. So I'm sure, you know, they can at least uh, hang their hat on that. So, and to walk away kind of with the first round, definitely a first rounder, but at least maybe top three, another top three pick. I know the organization could use it. We need it. The fact that
1: we don't have a talisman right now, we... DC needs somebody to do something, so let's draft a
0: guy, right? Mm-hmm. They got Bolster. They got a deep, deep pool, and it's going to be a couple years anyway. You might as well just stock up all you can. So that's, I mean, that'd be ideal.
1: If, if DC pulls out the number one pick, uh, you know, I have no doubt that uh, uh, Pittsburgh and Oakland will be right there behind them. Uh, we did spend a lot of time last uh, episode talking about Oakland uh, and then moving. Uh, you shared a very wonderful article about Vegas mm-hmm. a funding initiative. I am just so smitten to see it.
0: Uh, the A's stay in Oakland. Yeah, Vegas ain't paying, ain't putting up their purse. I know there's a lot of money in Vegas, but We'll be damned if we're going to be paying for you to come here. You kind of need us more than we need you. Um, Which I want to take a quick side note and apologize for everybody because I know my mic was kind of, I tried a new mic and it definitely turned out to be dog crap. So I apologize for the crazy remix of our episode, basically the crazy lag, but that was basically the gist of it was just irresponsibility and part of the owner's. I know they were going through some money trouble as well, especially with inflation. So they're kind of just sitting dead in the water, you know, to put it, that whole episode overall, as far as Oakland's concerned. Um, I think at this point, even though they're a couple hundred million shy because of inflation, I think their best bet is just to stay in Oakland, just make a splash. We know last year you kind of sold it, but your best option is just to stay here, build off, So yeah, like I was saying, you just you just gotta you just gotta follow through. I mean, yeah, obviously the fans making making their frustrations known throughout the season is gonna be something I don't think we're gonna, you know, just be rid of next year, especially depending on what they decide to do during the offseason, during winter meetings. But at this point, it's like, hey, okay, we got past that you still have time to do right. That's, That's right. Uh, the the
1: organization, the ownership, the, the front office has the opportunity to say, all right, we're no longer going to be in opposition to the fans. We're going to take their gripes, groans, moans, complaints into consideration. We're going to figure out how to improve the fan experience, Mm -hmm. get butts back in seats, but namely, what does any fan base want? Winning games. Winning baseball, absolutely. And until the front office makes the moves to start winning games again, and this all comes back full circle to what you pointed out early on, that a, a whopping goose egg in free agency,
0: that's the biggest. That's the most uh, apparent because even if it doesn't work out, fine. But it lets the fan base know that you're at least forward-minded for obviously the following season. That you're trying to build something. You're trying to at least be hopeful of what you can achieve next year. You're you're trying to make that that progress forward. So again, yeah, that that zero doesn't build any confidence especially knowing full well where you just came from it's not like 2017 or eight well even 2019 and 2020 where they were kind of somewhere in the mix and obviously fell off in 21 fell off this past year you know it's not like you were you, you were in seasons uh past where you could get away with that kind of stuff like oh well we like our roster now we're just going to save money to make a splash well for who because obviously now at the point where you could go after somebody big and start again, even if you want to call it a soft rebuild, you didn't do any of that. So how, how is the fan, you know, Joe Schmo supposed to feel about that? What they, good? I mean, since we've
1: listed off the, the free agency market, who, who does this, or who does the front office, Throw the kitchen sink at? Do you try and get Aaron Judge? Do you try and get Trey Turner? You, who, what big slugger, in, you know? Because I feel like that's what they need most of all is offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need yeah. offensive lethality because they haven't had any.
0: They have maybe three or four names that I'm familiar with obviously, Ramon Lariano, Tony Kemp, and Christian Pache, which I might be saying his name wrong, but I believe he's one of the their former rookies, one of their actual prospects that came up, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe three names out of your entire lineup that I don't know any of your damn pitchers. I don't, you know, I don't know. And that could be just ignorant. I'm willing to admit my ignorance, you know, Oakland, Oakland fans out there, but that kind of leans into what I'm getting at. You need more, not just the big name, just to have the big name, but you need somebody that's gonna produce like a big name free agent or somebody that can provide that defense can provide that quality start on the mound you're going to need you're going to need to make a splash especially with this year being as open as it is now is the time if you're
1: Oakland can you can you convince Aaron
0: Judge or uh, Anthony Rizzo I would, if I'm Oakland, I would actually like Anthony Rizzo a little bit more. That's just me though. I mean, I would still go after Aaron Judge if I can, but I feel like Rizzo would still want a big contract. I'm not, I'm not saying he wouldn't, but I feel like you could, he's a little more attainable. I'm not sure what their payroll's like. Obviously they didn't spend any money, so they got to have something left in the tank from, not from last year, you know, that all that extra cap space left over. But I, I would like to think that he would be a little more attainable even in a, on a team friendly, like, Hey, let's, let's sign you for three, three years, freaking 80 mil, whatever, almost a hundred mil. Like let's, let's kind of throw the kitchen sink at you, but let's also not throw everything where we're both locked in. We're both strapped for cat. Like I feel like he would be the kind of player where, you know, you're going to get that production, but at the same time, you don't need, to empty out the vault completely for him. You can kind of set yourself up for other players down the line. I would go after I would go after him at least if I was Oakland.
1: That's a that's a, a really a good argument for uh you know why economically you go after a guy like Rizzo whose uh bat and defense are just consistent. Mm-hmm is a consistent ball player uh don't get me wrong he's got his back injury problems that have uh plagued him since he was on the Cubs but he's worth like
0: you said I don't have to throw everything at him I just gotta throw enough to get him to come you can make the same argument for Trey Turner too I mean you know you know his bats there you know the defense is elite you know the speeds there so fine you want to get you want to get a good again if your focus should be from the infield and then work your way out or work your way in however you know you're you're doing things up up in the front office you should come on let me turn on this light. you should be focused more so on max value like you said getting that max value something that that is team friendly but that pays the dude well enough because i mean especially if you're trying to make this in not annual but like trying to make this a continuous thing you want to be able to lock that dude in or show him, hey you know we can work we're we are the type of organization that doesn't mind paying you despite what you might might have saw the last year or two we're not too cheap enough to pay you well and to want to continue to pay you well and build something as well you know it's not just throwing money but also trying to build towards something
1: So, maybe if Oakland can acquire Rizzo or Turner and then a big name, uh, you know, maybe they draft well, or, you know, if they can find a way to bring someone else on uh, before next season's uh, trade deadline, with all of the – because theoretically they should have money to spend, uh, maybe it wasn't such – a mm, bad decision. Uh, I'm hesitant to call it a bad decision, but certainly a decision that's confused me. So, uh, if you if you can make up for the fact of the goose egg,
0: mm-hmm. then you know hopefully all will be forgiven. Well, yeah. Not all, but most most will be forgiven, especially if you go after a high value
1: name like that who will start helping the organization win ball clubs, butts come back to the stadium, you know life is happy again mm-hmm. so but it's again, it's all it, it all comes down to did they you know
0: that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think more than anything. They definitely need to lock up the stadium business, kind of going back to that. They need to they need to figure out where home is and really start just investing fully into, I mean, because obviously I have no dog in the fight, so whether they stay or go is really not going to affect me either way. But from a fan perspective, if you're going to build something, you need to keep it wherever it's going to be. You can't just back, back and forth, though, here. Like, how am I going to be able to focus or be hopeful about the next season if I don't even know where you're going to be playing, even if location, even if I'm like here in Southern California, even if I'm a fan from far away and I have no real hope of really making the journey, you know, I still would like to know that that part of of, uh, of business is taken care of and that the focus is on winning baseball, regardless of location. Not knowing where you're
1: going to be playing next year. That's not even attract that's not attractive to players that's not attractive to fans no. it's not attractive to um, the uh, staffing organizations that make ballparks run yeah the vendors that's the word I was looking for Tony vendor like there's so many markets that get affected because somebody wants to be in indecision.
0: They can't decide what they want to do. That's a lot of money, too. You think this thing's a $12 billion project, the waterfront? So, if they decide to take that $12 billion and try to apply it to Vegas, I'm sure, even though, like you said, uh, Vegas not wanting to public- publicly fund it, that's still a lot of mo- money either to privately fund or to have the public foot the bill, no matter what. So, a lot of different parties, the city, Obviously, you know, city government, local vendors, TV deals, players, fans, obviously whoever is living nearby, wherever you put this new proposed stadium, there's a lot of people aside from actual watching the game that are going to care about this. So you need to get, you need to keep your house in order before you make that, that next step. I mean, you got time now season's over. 23 is on, on its way. You gotta clean that up.
1: Yeah. Oakland's front office is a lot, just an insurmountable amount of work to do. And Lord knows if they'll even do any of it.
0: Of their own doing. I mean, as as sad as it is to say, that's I mean, we're almost three years deep into and I know big projects take time, even from reading that that article that uh, we were talking about as far as you know Vegas denying denying uh, public funding we get that especially if something as uh, i guess robust of a project as this you know from top down from all the mock-ups it looks amazing don't get me wrong if there's a way to make this park happen i want it to happen it looks amazing but i understand too it takes time it takes a lot of different pieces falling together but if the one of the pieces is just the front office itself you know just tripping over itself the rest isn't going to follow like you have to have your own priorities and your own your own stuff together basically for anything else to follow suit that's that's going to be the most interesting point is hopefully they do make a splash but then that again that's also indicative of them trying to move forward either either or but i think it's kind of like a you don't want to put the cart before the horse kind of deal. They, I think they need to figure out where they're going to be and then work from there.
1: So I guess what's putting the cart before the horse, because in order to get guys in, you got to know where you're playing, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess the stadium, you know, in order to get good free agents on board with the organization, you got to know where you're playing.
0: I'm most excited, so kind of kind of segwaying real quick. I'm actually excited to see the news that comes down for Tampa. I know that the Rays are going to be staying in Tampa. I don't know how much you guys heard uh, from the last pod, you know, with all the, the craziness, but Tampa as well, looking for a new stadium. I don't know when that will happen, or it, that's just kind of more uh, hopeful. No real details have come out. And I know uh, Baltimore is dealing with ownership that wanted to move, but for all intents and purposes are staying in Baltimore. So uh, it looks like mainly the focus is going to be on Oakland, no matter how you, no matter how you slice it. So, um, yeah, I don't have much else. I know we kind of covered free agency. Um, some players, you know, opting out, opting in. Um, I'm really excited though, to see the rest of obviously November, December when, when we get to the actual draft and winter meetings, um, and I don't know what we'll have up for next episode, so we'll just wait. I guess for more for for uh, for more news as far as players, you know, opting out. If there's any news, like again with Oakland coming, you know, they just decide they want to get their stuff together, or or what will come down the pipeline. But uh, yeah, now we're officially officially in the offseason, Officially looking forward to 23, looking at the winter meetings, and uh, yeah, I'm just excited now. There's a lot on the table.
1: So many moving pieces. This is gonna be a very you know, everybody says that every off season's busy. This is gonna be a busier than usual off season
0: for a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. It's gonna be one, one of those. But yeah, but you you gotta know, stay uh, tuned. You gotta tuned. Yeah, I'm yeah. in your make, boat. Uh, excited. Yeah, make sure you're refreshing those Twitter feeds. We'll be on it as much as possible. Um, obviously a lot less regular season and craziness, you know, as far as the news coming down that, so I'll be refreshing my feed every, you know, every five minutes waiting for any kind of inkling of any kind of news. So as soon as we know something, we'll obviously retweet it and we'll obviously get on the horn and, and talk about whatever's coming down the pipe, the pipeline. So, uh, yeah, I got nothing else then. If you got nothing else, yeah, no saved rounds here. All right. Very well. All right, people, I appreciate you guys listening and watching, uh, especially last episode, like I said, didn't realize the audio was that bad, and I tried cleaning it up, but that's just going to have to be one of those lost episodes. So, uh, But as far as the new stadium stuff, I'm sure we'll get back to it in another episode when we get to it. So, uh, yeah, for the rest of the news to come, we'll just have to wait and see. So, as always, I appreciate you guys, and until next time, stay tuned, bags Thank <music> you.